so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Being a leader doesn't necessarily have to mean having a title. I think real leadership is based on the influence that you have in your relationships. It's helping people go where they wouldn't go without you. And you don't need a formal role in the church to do that. Hi, I'm Trillian Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. And I'm emphasizing the and beyond because we have someone on the line today who can help us with that. Katie Wusso, she is a business consultant. As a matter of fact, she owns her business consultant firm. She's also married to Travis Wusso, who is the VP of Public Policy here at the ERLC. We are so excited to have you, Katie. Thanks for having me on. I am going to just jump right in it. We are going to be talking about roles, which is such a loaded word. <laughs> and yes. I wish there's probably, and maybe there is a need for a different word. Even when we mention it, it can be difficult for people. Why do you think it's important for us to consider this topic? Yeah, I think I think you're right that it can be, specifically when you're talking about roles within the church and within the home, it can be really, really confusing. And I think within those of us who consider ourselves to be complementarian, I think we have some consensus on the basics when it comes to the different roles that men and women play. But I think we do have some confusion around the scope and the practice of complementarianism um, in the church and in the home. And I think that that confusion has at least played a part in contributing to some of the issues that we're now experiencing in the church. And, you know, I think about women who've experienced discrimination, uh, whether in the workplace or in just interpersonal relationships. I I think about lack of leadership opportunities for women in the church, lack of opportunities for women to use their gifts, discouragement of single women um, and women of color who feel, you know, that there's one model of what it means to be a godly woman um, and that they can't live up to that. And I think in some cases, you know, this kind of confusion has led to even abuse in Mm -hmm. the church and within marriages. So I think it's really important to 
sort of attack the ambiguous and nebulous nature of it head on. I, I think you're exactly right. And so often we skirt around these topics, I think, um, because we don't necessarily want to <laughs> attack it. Or maybe I should say we do not want to be attacked. And so, yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> or be perceived as the attackers. <laughs> exactly. And so it's good to have these conversations and to think through this, especially if we're going to work together, which is the goal of the church and our, the heart of this uh, podcast series. So how would you define complementarianism? Do we need a new word? Uh, do we need new methods? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, at this point, I don't know if I can really say if a new word would be helpful. I mean, I think it would be nice if we had a word that was shorter and easier to spell. <laughs> um, no, that's true. <laughs> you know, complementarianism is eight syllables, Trillia. I know. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> But in seriousness, I think I think it would be helpful to have a greater recognition um, that even though we as complementarians recognize that men and women have different roles within the church, we are very much equal yes. in all of the ways that I think, you know, are most significant. You know, we're all children of God. We all have the Holy Spirit. We're all image bearers. We're all responsible for the Great Commission and the proclamation of the gospel. We're, we all have gifts that need to be used if the church is going to grow and thrive. And so in, in a lot of ways, I think that this sort of is a is an error in emphasis. Mm. Um, and I think we spent a lot of time emphasizing the ways in which, you know, men and women are different and not quite enough time on the ways that we're equal. I, I, I think we could spend the rest of the time just talking about an error of emphasis. You're exactly right. I, or at least from my experience, I... I think you are um, hitting a nail on the head. So how can we, as men and women, encourage, support, and partner together in a healthy way in the church and beyond the church if we're talking about our not just our differences, but how we are equal? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think one thing we can be more careful about is conflating roles with other things. Um, Give that us an example. Roles. Like my identity is not my role. Exactly. My gifts are not my role. My abilities are not my role. My personality is, is not my role. And what I've seen in the past is, is this, this effort to explain why did God ordain the church to operate this way? Um, and in an effort to try to explain it, I think I've seen it devolve into, well, men are more like this and women are more like this. Um, men are more assertive and women are more nurturing. Men are stronger and women are weaker. Men are more analytical and women are more emotional. Right. Um, and I, I've seen it in an effort to explain this doctrine. We reduce this like mysterious and beautiful doctrine that reflects the Trinitarian nature of God to gender stereotyping. Um, and I think it, in that we completely miss the point. And so I would I would like to see us move away from letting our ideas about roles affect things like identity, gifts, abilities, and personalities. Those are not the same thing. No, I think that's, in, again, really important to distinguish what we're not talking about. And I think, mm -hmm. how have you seen, have you seen this where people are identifying in, in such a way where people can flourish, both men and women together. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? And what does that look like? Give someone some feet for how they could model yeah. this. Yeah, I think one thing that can be very helpful in helping men and women to flourish together at the local church level is just having, having this topic be more of an open dialogue. I think that 
in a lot of ways, in our little sphere of evangelicalism, we feel like this issue has sort of been resolved. Um, you know, everybody has their white papers on women in ministry and their, you know, their doctrinal statements about complementarianism. And we feel like, you know, check, this is, this is solved. But I think there is still um, a lot of room for growth and maturity uh, within, at the local church level. And I think intentional and open and honest dialogue can be part of that. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend the women's summit that you guys hosted um, right before ERLC national conference in October. And I, you know, was really just encouraged, inspired by being part of that conversation. And I came back to DC and I was like, I feel like I want to, you know, engage in kind of a conversation with my pastors about the things that we talked about. Um, And so I said, you know, Hey guys, I went to the summit. I want to debrief you about what was discussed. And I think there's some areas where our church can grow um, into more faithful practice of complementarianism as a result of these conversations. And they were like, yes, let's do it. And we had that meeting and it was really positive and it was just, it was just a really, really, really good interaction. Um, And I think that what came out of it wasn't like we have, you know, all of these magical wave of magic wand solutions to the, the areas where we want to grow. But what we have now is a dialogue and a conversation uh, upon which we can have more conversations and more conversations and keep growing and maturing uh, until we, you know, I think reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, mm. of the fullness of Christ in this area. What I hear you saying is not to become complacent. And and yeah, yeah to to excuse the phrase, lean in <laughs> to the conversation <laughs> right. and and press forward. We're, that I think you're exactly right. That we we can think that because we have something on paper, like a statement, or we've uh, f- affected some sort of change. But the truth is, is that it just puts something on paper, which is good. It's a good first step. But we need to press into these conversations and and act and do. And and I'm glad that you had a a chance to voice some of the thoughts and, and the th- things that you took away from at the Women's Summit. Mm-hmm. How can you encourage the, the woman in particular who hears that and she's discouraged, not because of what you said, but because she does not have that kind of support? Mm-hmm. That's really hard because I think depending on the context that you're operating in, approaching your leadership when you don't feel like you have a place or when you don't feel like you have the opportunities that you want to lead and to serve, I think can be extremely challenging. Um, but I think there are some things that you can do to make your situation easier. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is just to recognize that being a leader doesn't necessarily have to mean having a title. I think real leadership is based on the influence that you have in your relationships. You know, Travis likes to say that it's helping people go where they wouldn't go without you. And you don't need a formal role in the church to do that. And furthermore, if no one's already following you, and if you don't already have influence with real people, then having some sort of formal recognition or formal title or formal position isn't isn't going to accomplish anything. Influence still has to be earned. And so like, for example, in my church right now, I have no formal leadership position. I'm not a community group leader. I'm not a deacon. I'm not on staff. I'm just a regular church member and I serve in a, in a few ministries. But I bet if you did a poll and you asked, asked people who are some of the, the leaders in this church, 
my name would come up at least a few times um, because I've, I've invested in relationships with people. I've, I'm discipling women. So, you know, if you're discouraged because you don't feel like you have, you know, opportunities to really lead and to serve, I would say you don't necessarily need formal structures to be able to do that and to bless the church. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I'm actually reading yeah. a book right now called You Don't Need a Title to be a leader, mm. I believe. You would love it. It's all about service. And it's not just about service, but just how you can use what the God has given you. It's not a Christian book, but I'm using Christian terms, but what God has given you to lead and to serve. And it there is a a quote that if I had it in front of me, I could say to you, but it, it's basically what you just said, that it it's mm. about influence and not so much about the title. You can have a title and not be a leader. Yeah. So leadership is about character and action and influence and follow through and and doing work, good work. I think that should be. I hope it is encouraging. Um, I do know that some women, even when they step out, still receive pushback. So how might she still use her God-given gifts if it seems like she has such a heart for the local church, but it's it's— it's not where she's going to necessarily be given that opportunity because of maybe the way they're structured or maybe even a pastor's mm-hmm. fear. So, right. so for example, you lead a business. You are, you, I do. Yes. So, and so how would you consult someone, for example, who has certain gifts, but they, the local church, which needs to be where they are using their gifts, but it's they're receiving pushback. Should they just sit down or sh- should they use those gifts in other ways? What what would you say? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the details would be important, but in general, what I would say to that person is first of all, to just ask themselves, do, is, is this where the Lord has me? And I'm just kind of assuming for the purposes of this conversation that this woman has decided that this is the church that they're meant to be in and they're meant to fight the fight in this congregation. So we're just sort of taking that as an assumption. The second thing that I would say to them is to come to the table and be solution oriented and willing to do the work. And what I mean by that is what you don't want to do is you don't want to go to your pastors and say, like, I want more leadership, or I want more teaching opportunities, or I want X, Y, and Z. Why don't you create them for me? Mm. Um, that's not what leaders do. Leaders take initiative and say, here are the issues that I see. Here are the ways that I think I could bless this church. I'm, I have a plan, and I'm willing to do it, and we need to work together um, so that I can do these things that I think the Lord has for me. And that could help advance the kingdom. Totally. And I say all of this with the caveat that, like, you can approach this totally perfectly, you know, and be, you know, 100%, your tone is right. You're in, you have an attitude of love. You have a great plan. Right. You're willing to do the work. You did all the things right. You checked all the boxes and, and it could still not go the way you want it to go. Absolutely. You're, you might get your hands slapped. You, your motives might be misinterpreted. Like, bad things could happen. I, I you know, I'm not naive to think that that this is going to go great just as long as you approach it perfectly. But going about it the wrong way isn't really going to work either. And I think that it's worth the risk. Um, Mm, Honestly, I think it's worth the risk. We can't live in a world where believers 
aren't using their gifts to serve the church. No, that's believers that's have to use their gifts to serve the church in order for the church to grow. Um, and so I would say, you know, if you're in a situation where you're in, you're experiencing a lot of pushback, maybe what you need to do is think of the smallest possible, you know, increment of change that you could see, you know, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's women reading scripture on Sunday. I don't know what it is for every particular congregation, but what is the smallest possible way that you could see progress happening? And pray towards that and have your conversations on that. I think sometimes it's tempting when you see like, oh, there's all these issues that I want to see different about this church to like go for the jugular um, and say, we're going to attack all of this at once. But that's not that's not how change happens. Um, and so I would just encourage, you know, women to take the long view. The issues that we have in the church didn't happen overnight and they aren't going to change overnight. It's in certain churches, it might take years and years and years of faithfulness and prayer and gospel labor to see the changes that need to happen. Um, and maybe that's the work that, you know, that God has for you. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's your contribution to the kingdom. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think it's really, it's good for us to have a, I guess I was going to say a long view, but I mean, an eternal view. In other words, you said, you can have all the great plans. You can have all these great conversations. You can have it all just mapped out and it still not work out the way that you hoped. And mm-hmm. just remembering that that we live in a fallen world and but God is faithful and good and that one day yes. he's making all things new and things will be right. And and so when we keep kind of keep that in mind that okay, this is not going to be perfect. Not that we need to settle because maybe maybe the woman needs to search for another church. Maybe the the issue yeah. that could that's could be it. Or, but if she feels called to press in, endure, and excuse the cliche, be the change that she wants to see, mm-hmm. then she's going to have to preach the gospel to herself and remind herself of this eternal perspective, and that it's mm-hmm. there's a bigger, greater purpose, and not all about just her and her her gifts. And so. Um, so what might you say to a pastor? You started to talk about this, and I really, I, you you talked about women reading scripture. So what would you say to a pastor who has a desire to utilize the women in his church beyond children's ministry, um, but struggles yeah. to know how to? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a, that's a pretty legitimate, um, probably concern for some pastors who haven't necessarily seen this modeled well. Um, so my suggestion would really simply just be to have to open up a conversation with the women in the church and see, you know, how, how, what ideas they have for how women might serve and be, be used um, and have their gifts uh, used to use the the church. And I, I would imagine that they will have some ideas. Um, so that would be, that would be kind of my simple suggestion. And I think, unfortunately, oftentimes the reason we don't, see a lot of women leaders in the church is because we aren't necessarily intentional about developing women leaders. Um, I think sometimes it doesn't naturally occur to pastors and elders that female leaders need to be discipled and developed uh, intentionally, just like men do. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, if you see women in a woman in your church that has the gift of leadership, figure out a way to, to either disciple them or have them discipled by somebody else that can grow them in that capacity and cast a vision for them on how that gift might be used to bless the church. Um, you know, a lot of churches that I've been a part of 
are very, very intentional about developing male leaders so that they'll have, you know, qualified men available to serve as elders. And I think that's so, so important. We definitely have to keep doing that. But sometimes that can result in sort of a disproportionate representation of men in leadership positions in the church. Um, you know, I think if every single leadership opportunity in the church is, is reserved as a training ground for future elders, um, I think we have an issue. I would love to see churches be just as intentional about equipping female leaders, even though their service to the church is going to be in a different capacity. No, yes, absolutely. Well, how can, um, is there particular one thing that they could do right now to help equip and train that if they're listening to this, they're like, okay, I want, this is my desire. Here's one takeaway. If they want to equip and train women leaders. Yeah. So if, okay, so they have a heart for it. They're hearing this one assignment that they could maybe. One assignment. Yeah. Give them like one thing that they could do today even to, to start this process. Oh, wow. And you mentioned it. We can, we can have even podcasts and we can hear, we can have all these conversations or, or a lot of things that we can listen to and we can write down, but if we aren't taking a step of faith in action, um, it, mm-hmm. it it might be difficult. So maybe the one thing that they could do is to find that a woman, identify a woman in their congregation who is a leader and ask her, what can we do? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, yeah so that's, that's one yeah. action step. So there I gave one. Maybe you have another. Yeah, yeah. So definitely identifying, you know, a few women in your church that are leaders. And having a conversation with them, that is, I think, very doable, no matter who you are. Secondly, I would say just to make a list of every single position that exists in your church, whether it's on your staff um, or different volunteer teams, just every, just the kind of the org chart and write all the names up there and see how many of those names are men. That's really good. Yeah. And just to ask yourself the question, why? Like, what is the reason why we have, you know, this proportion of men versus women in these roles? Is it because of a theological conviction or is it because we just didn't think about it? You know, we just didn't think about it. Or maybe, um, maybe you are, you have a bent as a pastor towards um, extending opportunities to men because those are the the discipleship relationships that you have. Um, so I think if you if you take a look, an honest look at your organization, you know, both staff and, and lay leaders, and start asking yourself questions, I think that is a pretty good start to identifying some of the issues that could um, could be areas of opportunity for growth. Excellent. Well, I think that is so helpful because when you see it, then you know, okay, it's hard to deny when you see it, when you put it on paper and on a whiteboard. Well, let's end on some gospel hope. Is there any gospel hope for this conversation that has so often actually divided us? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So in, in my job, I spend a lot of time talking to female entrepreneurs. Those are my, who my clients are and a majority of them are not believers. Um, And in response to the sort of cultural and political moment that we're in, a lot of them, quite honestly, just want to be done with men. Um, and in 
in their businesses, they're creating products for women. They're creating businesses catered to women, co-working spaces for women, networking groups for women, venture capital funds for women. There's literally, I kid you not, an entire economy of businesses that are meant to serve and empower women. And Mm. in one sense, it's amazing to have these kinds of support structures and resources that we as, as women in the business world have never had before. That's awesome. Um, but on the other hand, what I think women in the world are saying is that the way to fix this problem is by showing everybody that we're actually better off without men in the picture. Mm. Um, we're not seeing any sort of reconciliation. We're seeing separation. Um, that's really what I see happening in my, in my industry and I think in the church, we have an opportunity to, to demonstrate real reconciliation. And we have, we have the opportunity to embrace and practice, you know, what I kind of think about as a real complementarianism, which is imaging God together as male and female. We complement each other. Um, that's the whole meaning of the word is that we complement each other in order to fully image who God is. Um, and because, and we can do that because of our unity in Christ, because, you know, as Paul says, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no slave or free, there's no male and female, because we're all one in Christ Jesus. And so I think that as people who are in Christ, we have, we already have perfect unity. We have that spiritual reality. And so our challenge now is just to grow into and mature into that spiritual reality um, and just demonstrate the power of the reconciliation of Christ. Gosh, that's really good. And what a encouraging and hope-filled picture that we should look uniquely different from the world because we have the gospel Mm -hmm. and we have that unity that's already been bought for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that that's an excellent way to end this, Katie. I thank you so much. This has been helpful and With that said, we are done. Thank you so much. This was so helpful. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You have been listening to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell, your host for this season.